0: Welcome
1: to On The Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On The Prowl. I'm your host, Robert Roden.
2: And I'm Remy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today.
1: Today on this episode, we have Chip Williams with us from Pivot Podcast alongside the studio of Welcome to the show, Chip.
0: Man, thank you guys for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for coming
2: on, man. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. You know, it's a beautiful, sunny day in Southern California, which is like I've learned is like 95% of the days out here, you know, in Memphis, (laughs) I'm used to like rain, cold, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just hot and sunny every day. So it's a good day, man. I can't complain. Yeah.
2: You, you really went from a place that had like all four seasons in one day to uh having this so i'm sure it's a big adjustment
0: it's so true it's so true it's a big (laughs) adjustment but it's a good one right like you can't complain every day is nice so i can't complain (laughs) who
1: are you going for in the playoffs
0: oh of course you know, I can't, I can't ditch the Grizzlies just because I made a little move or something, you know, it's still, you know, you're still rocking with the Grizz. So how far are you I live in, I'm, I'm in LA, like from downtown LA, I can be there in like 25 minutes. So, oh wow. um, yeah, it's not, I'm, I'm right there. Not too far. I'm, I'm in Long Beach, which is like the Southern part of LA County. So yeah, yeah. downtown LA without traffic's like 20, 25 minutes away.
2: How far were you from uh, Salt Lake City?
0: Uh, I actually looked at that. You would definitely have to fly. It's like a good ten, eleven hour drive. Oh,
2: um, okay. Okay.
0: So yeah, I was. I I thought about trying to get to a game, but uh, it, the drive was a little too far.
2: Yeah, I was. I was wondering how that would work out, but yeah, right, that's that's a little kind of far. All right.
1: Well, yeah. let's dive right into the episode. So, Chip, you you're obviously a big Tigers fan. You grew up in the city of Memphis, and you still support. It and now you have a show with Sidhu, but talk about due to last year's not having fans in the stands and games being a little different with some fans. and.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously not having fans is something that no one's used to, right? I mean, even when you're a little kid playing sports, you know, you've got everyone's parents in the stands or some students in the stands or whatever. And so I can, I can only imagine for, you know, everybody across the sports landscape that this year was unlike anything anyone's ever experienced. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of soccer on the weekends and you can hear these guys like kicking the ball because the, I mean, it's completely silent, right? Um, that that was kind of before they early in the pandemic before they figured out how to pump in crowd noise. And it just was weird, like even from a fan's perspective, watching your favorite team on TV, you're used to hearing, you know, I think fans provide so much of the atmosphere that goes on and part of the pageantry that we love about sports. And so from a fan's perspective, it was weird. And then I can only imagine from a player's perspective how odd it was. I mean, probably felt like a glorified practice or scrimmage or something like that, but it meant everything because it was just a normal game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this. I am so glad to see people getting back into the stands and um, them continuing to increase capacity across the sports landscape um, because I think everyone missed it.
2: Well, I do have a question going off of that, especially in this, like in uh, the playoffs so far, there have been a lot of fan interaction that have not been the greatest. I mean, if you want to talk about the Grizzlies with uh, game two, uh, Utah fans saying Rachel slurs to a uh, – John Moran's family and Dylan Brooks. Uh, do you want to go to MSG, the spitting incident? Uh, you got, I mean, there's more and more. Do you think, do you think the absence of fans for this entire season and them coming back now has any correlation with these incidents?
0: Man, I don't know. It's crazy. It's like all these fans had this pin-up anger that they needed to get out all at <laughs> one time. It was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it's terrible. All every, every incident, is unique, but every incident is awful in and of itself. I mean, fans have got to remember that just because you're allowed back in the stadiums, these players—they're human beings, just like you and I are. Right. Um, you know, I, that's kind of one of my biggest things. So, in college, I covered the Memphis Grizzlies for SB Nation, and so you would get the opportunity to interview the players, talk to the coaches, front office, and I think for like what struck me very early on is these people are truly just humans. They happen to be awesome at basketball or awesome at football, whatever, but they're just humans like you and I, you know, they have the same emotions that you and I have and to treat them like they're anything other than that is, is awful. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know what the league should do to incentivize people not to do that or to punish people when that happens. But, um, you just hope it stops. Like it's yeah. it's not good for anybody, and and you hope it stops.
2: It'll be interesting to see how Adam Silver does this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been crazy. Like we didn't even expect all of that to happen like back to back back nights. Like yeah, I mean, I, it was kind of like an a domino effect kind of, and like I think Trey Young was very lucky because when. The fans spit on him like NBA didn't make him go to COVID protocols.
2: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's a good point. But he's a, that is he's, a good point.
1: Or you can be added to the COVID protocols due to someone else affecting you or whichever, and then costing could be costing your playoff series or your team even.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. I, I didn't even think about that. That is a good point. You know, too, what I guess was a one positive out of the whole thing was the way the Jazz responded to that from the Memphis Grizzlies perspective, right? Yeah. Like, they they offered to basically fly the Morant family out to game five. I think they paid for their tickets, like, put them all kind of accommodations. I know Donovan Mitchell, there was a video of him talking to Jaw's dad, T Morant and T afterwards was, you know, there was some audio of him just saying, Hey, that was awesome. You guys didn't have to do that. You know, you've, you've got a fan and me type thing. So the response I think has been the right response, right? Like these situations are terrible and we have to go over the top to make sure that it doesn't continue to happen.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Ryan Smith for that. That was a really class act from him.
1: And then, he, he, he had even said uh, he was cheering for Donovan and the Jazz the rest of the playoffs.
2: Yeah,
1: They obviously played the Grizzlies, but just what they did for the Morant family and after what had happened. But you look at the playoffs, and this was the first time the Grizzlies had been in the playoffs since Mike Conley was a part of the team. I want to say, is that correct or am I missing yeah,
2: it? You're right. Yeah, that's what, spot on. So
1: yeah, 2017. It's just kind of great to see Grizzlies back in the playoffs and Most
2: fighting definitely. for a
1: championship. And with the young four that we have with Taylor Jenkins and John Morant and the rest of the staff and the young players with Jaron and the newcomers, Desmond Bain. I mean, it just, Desmond Bain. I mean, Ramey saw my draft night, thought of Desmond Bain on what I said. I said, we got to trade him. We can't have a guy. (laughs) We can't have a, like, why do we trade up for this guy? But no, now I'm so glad that we had him. Because, I mean, he would just, every time you'd pass the ball to him or Ja would pass the ball to him, you knew it would be a knockdown three-pointer. From wherever he was on the court, beside a logo shot, he would just knock it down. And with Grayson Allen, he's kind of fallen off of that knockdown automatic shot. But other than that, I'm just glad we had Bane because we've always needed, like Wayne Allington was that perfect three-pointer, and Jared Bayless was. And, like, we have always had those perfect three-point shot shooters. And like other guys like O.J. Mayer, I mean, it's just awesome to be able to have one that's young and can stay around for a long time.
2: Yeah, especially in this new age of uh, basketball, you can never really have too many shooters. I mean, I mean, it's just it's just nice to have a couple reliable three point shooters on your team. I mean, even like D'Anthony Dan Milton is finding his shot a little more even Kyle Anderson. I mean, this team, this team has some good shooters, so I'm happy to see the future. What about YouTube?
0: No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you you can see that's how Taylor Jenkins wants to play, right? Like he wants oh, yeah. to get up and down the court, <laughs> and he wants to shoot threes. Oh, and yeah. to you, to both of your points, I mean, I the last time I, we probably so every time the Melton it's a good look from three. I just assume it's going in, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have felt that way about a Grizzlies player since maybe Mike Miller, like in his prime, you know, when he was in his late twenties, maybe early thirties with the Grizz and because it just felt like that. If Mike got a good look, it was going to go in. And you mentioned some of the guys we've had, you know, OJ Mayo was pretty good. Obviously, um, you know, you've had some different guys throughout the G and G run, but if you threw, Desmond Bain on the G and G teams. Like it's the perfect floor spacer for Zach and Mark and Mike. Oh, yeah. And n- now they finally have him to floor space for Jonas for jaw. I mean, it, it just changes the dynamics of how you can defend those guys because you have to worry about a guy like Desmond Bain. And even, you know, Grayson Allen is a little streaky. His threes kind of come in waves. Like he'll he'll hit a bunch and then he'll miss a bunch. But, um, and that's fine. I, I think that's why Coach Shinkins played him so much against Utah, because if he were to get hot, all of a sudden he can rack up three, four threes in one quarter and he might win the game just because of that. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, look, the three point shooting is a complete revelation because we've, we've lacked it for so many years.
2: I mean, it, it is crazy to think that the three point shot has won us many games this year, especially like vital games. I mean, if you want to think about the uh, playing game against golden state, that Xavier Tillman three-pointer, those two threes by uh, Grayson in overtime, like those were vital threes that if they did not go in, we probably would not have even made the playoffs. So it's just crazy. It's just crazy to think that this Grizzlies team has had a big revolution, evolution, my bad, in terms of three-point shooting. It's really nice to see. And I'm very excited for the future.
0: (laughs) No, it's funny too. You bring up Tillman because like, coming in, he wasn't even supposed to be a three-point shooter, right? Exactly. And, like, this is what Taylor Jenkins is saying. It's like, hey, if you're going to play, we're going to need you to shoot when you're open from three. It's a good shot. I mean, these guys are professional basketball players, right? I mean, you even see Jonas. He would throw up one three a game or so. And yep. he was half decent at him. So Yeah, he was um, not bad. Exactly. So, I mean, it's – I think they're, they've pretty clearly shown if you're going to play, you're going to shoot open shots if you've got them. Don't pass them up you're a professional basketball player and it's a good shot. Yeah.
1: So Chip, what are your expectations with the Grizzlies offseason? We've this week so far we've extended general manager Zach Kleiman to a contract extension. So massive,
2: what are you massive W. I just want to say that it's massive W, but continue. <laughs>
1: so, so Chip, what additions are you looking for the Grizzlies to either add in free agency or trade or release or whichever? Like are you you thinking there's gonna be a like staff change or Player change, or what, what are your expectations?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting offseason, right? Because it almost feels like nothing is off the table. Like, obviously, John Morant's not going to get traded. It would shock you if Jaron Jackson got traded. But beyond that, um, everything's kind of up in the air. They could stand pat, not do a whole lot, you know, pick – uh, take their first round pick, their second round pick, maybe sign a guy or two, Nothing, just kind of some moves around the margins. And that wouldn't surprise you because they could be pretty happy with where this team is. Um, obviously they have some huge decisions to make. Uh, Justice Winslow, um, they can either, they have a player option or they have a team option on him uh, for about $13 million. Um, obviously Jaron Jackson, they can extend him this summer. Um and so if, you know, it, that comes into question just because, um, you know, he had the injuries and came back and I thought really started to look good the last couple games of the Utah series. But what do you do with him? Do you wait, let it go into the season, let it go into free agency next year, restricted free agency? Or do you just go ahead and give him what he wants and extend him, um, you know, beyond his rookie deal? I think personally, if it was me, I would be looking to consolidate the roster a little bit. Basically, I think the Grizzlies almost have too many good players, right? Like, you look at the playoffs and uh, uh, Brandon Clark was getting DNPs. Xavier Tillman, the last few games, was getting DMPs. Even John Conchar, I think, could be a rotation NBA player. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Robert.
1: I'm going to interrupt. Sorry, Jeff. No,
0: oh,
1: John Man, I love John Contra. I feel like he's one of those guys. He's you just, you kind of stolen out of free agency, out of undrafted, and he just came in and made a name for himself. And he just, he's he, he hustles, he fights for defense, he fights for the ball, and he can actually shoot. I'm like, I mean, I'm not trying to get on anyone, but some of the undrafted guys are just names like you've never heard of or seen, and they can't like shoot, and they end up getting cut like. After two games or so, like a ten-day type deal, but no, John Conchar I mean, he's he's even st- made a fan base of his own in Memphis.
0: He has, yeah, he's got the legendary Twitter account, right? Like the <laughs> the John conchar fan account. So, and he's got the Jitty clothing line. <laughs> like he's stuff. really endeared himself. Yeah, and then so.
1: Molly's a big fan of him. So she, I mean, she tweets it constantly. And yeah. we, had, we had met her up at the Grizzlies game because she went to the same high school as us. So. I kind of nice. introduced myself, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, we're both Raymond and I are both graduates of White Station here in Memphis. So,
0: hey, go Spartans! Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, oh. but I was just to finish up. I guess the off-season thought. It would not surprise me if they tried to package a couple of players and and bring someone out, bring a another big-ish type name, especially on the wing end. Um, uh, because they have all their own first-round Bradley picks. Beal? It, maybe. You know, I'm look, Beal you said Pittsburgh? it, not me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't um, be mad. I wouldn't be mad. Look, they've got a they got a first-round pick from the Warriors that's coming. They've got a pick from Utah that's coming. They don't owe any first-round picks, so they can I trade mean. all of the. I mean, you can put, exactly, you can put together a really attractive package for someone. Will they do it? I have no idea. Like, I I don't, I would have no idea, but it wouldn't surprise me.
1: I don't expect Killian Tilly or Jonte Porter to be back on the team. I think that they will be on another team or it's not on the Grizzlies official roster. Whether it's a hustle or anything, I just think we'll either draft two guys or get some guys to fill their spot, roster spots.
0: No, that's fair. I mean, it is a full roster. The the Jonte stuff, both those guys were I liked them quite a bit coming out of college, and they both really suffered from the same thing. They just kind of had injury problems. And um and I think that's and why the both same of them exactly. It? Yeah. Well, you look at yeah, exactly. I mean, you look, you've got Jonas and Jaron, and then you've got BC and Xavier Tillman, and now you start to get down. Do you really need a fifth and a sixth big in Jonte and Killian? You can it seems sign like another they do point like on. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like they do like uh, Killian quite a bit because he was getting a little bit of run. But I, I agree. I mean, you know, Adjante, he may be more of a, a hustle guy, just try to throw him in the, the G League, see if he can oh. develop a little bit. Tim Frazier, I'm sure, will be gone too. So that will free up a yeah. roster spot as well. So if you, you know, if you're right, I mean, they do have to bring in a couple of rookies most likely, unless they stash somebody. So they will need some roster spots. Yeah.
1: yeah and, I mean, whether it's that or you do one of those little Killian, tra- uh, Killian D- Dilly, I couldn't think of his name, even though I just said it. Yeah. So you could either do one of those little small trades where you trade him for like a 2025 or dra- type deal draft pick or something, or just for cash. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, either getting bought out or just getting the trade. But I mean, I just, I just feel like the Grizzlies to be a part of the young core when what we're building, I just think they would like to add as many young athletic pieces as they can, that who can play as, on the court rather than having to sit out every night yeah. and be yeah. in uniform.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, that's that's the thing with Bradley Beal is uh, – another guy that I think they may look at is Zach Levine, too. I don't know how, how happy he is in Chicago. Um, but they – I mean, both of those guys, Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, completely changed the trajectory I was of
1: I was telling Randy yeah. at the trade deadline. I said, "This time next year, we'll have Zach Lavine. He'll be a great."
0: Randy
1: said, "I don't know about that one." Well, I told him <laughs> last night. <laughs> I said, "Dame Lillard to the
2: Lakers." It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's
0: not. Gonna Man, happen. the 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 Blazers are good. They're going to do something, right? Like they've lost in the first round four out of five you years. They, they got to do something. Yeah,
2: he, 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 you he would need, think. He needs out. He needs out. Who do you think gets yeah. the Boston job? Um, I I heard, uh, Lloyd Pierce was, uh, I saw Jason Kidd. I think that was, I think I saw him with the Blazers as well.
1: But no, today I saw a report saying if Brad Stevens is smart, he needs to go and get Jawan Howard from Michigan.
0: That'd be a good hire. Jawan's a good coach. Yeah. I don't know that he'd leave his alma mater, but it's hard to turn down the Boston Celtics.
1: Do y'all think Penny's safe in Memphis from an NBA job?
0: I think for now. Yeah, I do. I think for now. Just off name alone, I, I don't think. I think so a lot that's another
1: that's so. another topic I wanted to get to. So Penny Hardway, he's moved some pieces after this NIT championship. Go Tigers! So he's uh, a couple guys are transfers like DJ Jeffries, Damian Ball, Musa. C we don't really know what he's doing yet. They ha- so that's the odd thing. They've taken everyone that's transferred like Boogie Ellis, and they've taken everyone off the website who's transferred off, but they still have Musa up there. So I don't know if that's a hint that he's told them he's coming back and it's just not announced to the public yet or if he is leaving and they just are waiting till the final I'm gone type speech or what, whichever it is. But, I mean, we'd we have a reunite with Tyler Harris, who's back in Memphis after spending a year at Iowa State, and he'll, he's coming on as a walk-on, I believe. So that would be pretty cool. I think he'll earn his scholarship back, though. But then, so what are y'all's expectations for the season? We've got Sam Anu, we've got Don Camden, who I've heard is compared to Tyler Hero in shooting-wise. Then you've got Josh Minot. So we've got a lot a lot of young pieces. And then, oh, and the Lawson brothers.
0: Yeah, uh, it's fascinating what's happening. Like, this is college basketball in the modern era, right? Like, these rosters turn over so much from year to year. You know, I mean – I same thing with you. I kind of had some buddies text me like, Hey, what the heck is going on? Memphis just won the NIT and like everyone is getting out of town. I was like, well, just wait, you know, I mean, they're going to bring some guys in, you know, just don't worry about that. It's, it's, it's how this thing works nowadays. But so my personal favorite, and it's not just because we share the same last name, but Deandre Williams, I thought (laughs) when he, when he got there, it completely changed the team. His IQ, his yes. defense, it, the way he can create on offense—like he does so much stuff that some up, that was desperately needed on this team, especially when Alex Lomax went down. Like you just didn't really have a creator.
1: He played like and a whole new team. It, we
0: were, yeah, we were very so
1: much faster.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the fact that he's coming back is huge. Some of the pieces that you're adding through the transfer portal, you, the guys you mentioned, this recruiting class—I mean. I don't think it's a stretch to say they're a preseason top 25 team and that the NCAA tournament should be the expectation.
1: I just hope we can be the best team in the American. That's not a long shot. That's not,
2: that's not crazy.
1: And so also Penny's got some holes to fill on his staff with Tony Madlock going to South Carolina State and taking a couple of assistants. So, yeah, uh, Tony Madlock sent South Carolina State. He's got his son going with them to play with TJ then I just think Penny needs to get another big guy from NBA background to be his new assistant. Who would be some candidates y'all would like to see?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, man, I know that like, you know, having a guy like Tony with ties to Memphis and then he's been, you know, he obviously was, I believe, the interim coach at Ole Miss when Andy Kennedy got fired. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of experience in college basketball. And so – I think you're right. I mean, I think replacing him with someone with experience would make a ton of sense. But here's the thing is like Penny knows everybody in basketball, right? Like everyone knows <laughs> Penny and Penny knows everybody. So I just trust like whoever he brings in, I believe in him. I mean, you look at why Matlock left. It's because he got a head coaching job. You would think that would make it attractive to guys who want to come in, be an assistant for a couple of years and then maybe go run their own program. So That's true. That's true. I, I've, I got full faith in Penny there.
1: And this was Madlock's first head coaching gig, I think, or was he head coach at Ole Miss? He was interim after Kennedy Andy Kennedy left. All right, he was interim. Yeah, And I know he had said that he had always wanted to be a head coach and that it's been one a dr- big dream of his, and he's been an assistant for about twenty years on various teams, yeah, at Miss, and now he gets the head gig at South Carolina State, which I'm. Very happy for him because now he gets to go out, build a staff, build a recruiting class, and build a fan base at South Carolina State and reshape that basketball program and aim for a tournament. To I think he
2: could. I think he could do it. He has a very great chance at doing it. Yeah, he, he's got a good pedigree. So,
1: and he's got a background like obviously like Memphis and Ole Miss, which are two great big schools who produce basketball players. And so I just think. Guys will be like, "Hey, I want to go play for a, a guy like him who's got close ties with both schools, and I can work out in the summer with some of probably both coaching staff or former, former players of his or whoever." But just the guys he can be around is just a cool feeling, you know.
0: Absolutely. Let me yeah. ask you guys a question, real quick right. what What do you What do you think of the job Penny has done so far? Because I feel like some people are disappointed a little bit but i mean to me it's it's totally normal that a coach doesn't win a title that everyone wants in the first like 3 years on the job. He did just win the NIT championship which is yeah. i guess the second best championship you can win. Uh so what what is your opinion? What do you think about Penny? Okay. I, yeah, I can
2: go. Um I I agree. I think it's I think it's normal. I mean, I, it's it's like you said it's hard to to win in your first 3 years. It's it's not like we had just like a golden opportunity every single year and we just dropped. I mean, he had to pick up the pieces that Toby left off, which necessarily wasn't the best. And I feel like Tigers fans should kind of realize that. But um, I mean, even when we had the opportunities, we all know how the James Wiseman situation handled was handled. So it's not like we were able to be the best we could be, but I mean, I, I think it's fine. I think as long as he's able to, continually because we've we've gotten better each year I mean I I think the NIT tournament is the is the best that we is the best that we could uh have so far so I mean as long as we can c- continue to get better each year I think we'll be fine
1: yeah I think I think he's done a great job I mean yes we all want to go to the big dance and the big tournament but sometimes you got to work around it and you've got to do what I mean we've also, we obviously we obviously fought for it to go to the tournament like those close games with Houston in the last couple weeks of the season. And then we came short, so we went NIT, and we won the NIT. No one thought we would. Everyone thought we'd get knocked out first round, or that some people thought we wouldn't even make the NIT based off how we played against Houston in the final weeks and blown out previous two weeks before that last game we played. But I just think we came back stronger that game. I'm so glad we won the NIT because not only does it help recruiting was, but it can also help. in the transfer portal was, and the staff hiring was. That's true. And it can also sell a lot more tickets and pack the form out because this year is a hundred percent capacity. Liberty Ball's is a hundred percent. Everybody's a hundred percent.
0: Awesome. It's weird to be excited about that, but like, <laughs> welcome to COVID sports. You know, it's like, yeah, we can yeah. open up the stadiums to everybody. So yeah, it's just awesome news.
1: So they're just different. Every section. I mean, it, but I think it was more because of a big crowd. You can't really
2: yeah
1: or like control just because it was more fans for a playoff game, and we were more hyped than a normal game.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, just think about it this way: if one person catches COVID and there's a, that big of a crowd, that's yeah. a lot of responsibility on the FedEx Forum and the city of Memphis, the Shelby County Task Force. Like, that's a that's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. So, so yeah, it's right. just for the best.
1: Yeah. So- we'll talk about a couple more things and then we have to wrap it up. But so with Tiger football, what are your expectations? You think we have a winning season where we can, I mean, I, I hope we can go deep in the playoffs and championship, at least for conference. Yeah. I was talking about conference, not national. <laughs> I mean, Hey, I'd love a national championship, but I'm more talking conference wise.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so anytime, like, and it's kind of, In football, the modern era of football, if you have a quarterback, you can win big. And if you don't, it's going to be tough. And so I think we'll learn early on how how Memphis is able to replace Brady White, right? Like, did they find the right guy in fall camp? And how far is he going to be able to take him? Because I thought Ryan Silverfield did a really good job. Um, And I think that he's got a really talented roster uh, with some pretty exciting guys, but yeah. the AAC is tough, man. I mean, like, this is clearly – I mean, a lot of years it should be one of the five best conferences. You know, they call the Power Five and then the Group of Five. But yeah. the AAC is so far and away the best one of the quote-unquote group of five that, like, you know, it, sometimes you can go 7-5, and 8-4, and four, and you had a great season, but you just yeah. ran up against four or five awesome teams, you know. Yeah, that's what so, happened last
1: season, that Tulane game. That exactly. Cincinnati game, that Halloween game. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just... We faced them good. The end. Really good competition. Last year, I had three great teams in the conference, which was Cincinnati, obviously, number one. Then we had us, and then... Who was the other? It was like... Was it Houston or so? UCF. UCF. And, I mean, man, they're yeah. going to be even better with Gus Malzon. I mean, that's Auburn 2.0 right there. They've got, like, all the guys that transfer from Auburn, basically, are at UCF now. He brought over, like... Majority of his staff, some of his former players are now GAs. So, I mean, Auburn 2.0 over there.
0: I mean, Cincinnati is probably going to be a top 15, top 20 preseason team. Like, they didn't lose a whole lot off that team. That was awesome. So,
1: you would have to think –
0: they did. Yeah, that's true. That's very – true. and he was great. I know he's really highly regarded. So, um, you would have to think that they, at least going into the season, would be, you know, the preseason picks to win the conference tournament. But – You know, I don't see any reason why uh, why Memphis can't be considered up there with the top because, you know, you did mention like UCF, they have a new coach, but you never know. Like you just don't know switching from one coach to the other, how quickly that transition or how seamlessly that transition is going to go. Right. Like it it could take Malzahn a year or two to get the right guys because he's playing with all of Josh Heichel's guys. So who knows? I mean, it's very it's an interesting year and fans are back. Uh, so, you know, that's an added element that Silverfield didn't have to deal with last year, uh, both home and, so, you know, you kind of get the boost at home, but you have to now deal with it on the road. So I don't know. I mean, th- I think there's a lot of unknowns. It's a, it's an interesting season.
2: Yeah, it really will be an interesting season. I think there's gonna be a lot of good football. I think any sport this year coming up is going to be probably some of the best sports. Yeah. We, we I hope
1: we, we get another, I hope we get another college game day game.
0: That'd be awesome. Oh. Man, that was so much would you, fun, wasn't would it? you
1: come back to Memphis for that trip?
0: Of course, man. Yeah, last last time I, I threw a work connection, I knew someone who worked at Coke, and uh, they got us in, like, the Coke VIP tent, which was behind the wow. stage. And so, like, it was crazy, man. I didn't have to stand out with everybody else in the middle of Beale Street, which was kind of nice. But I, I would do it if that's what I had to do, man. That was that was such an awesome thing not just for Memphis but or not just for the university but for the whole city, right? Like I mean oh, yeah. there were people there who weren't Tigers fans that were having a ton of fun. So <laughs> yeah. that was cool. That'd that be is great true. to do that again. And we uh, had Chip. John
2: Jaron is host. I mean I
0: guess. Yeah, that was great.
2: All right, Chip. Well we appreciate
1: you so much for coming on this episode with us. Oh yeah man worked with us talking Memphis, talking to Mtown nine o one
0: man, I wish I could go get like some crumpy's wings or something after we <laughs> hang up, like talking about Memphis like this is awesome guys i I really appreciate you know you having me on. you guys have like real guests who are like really well known in Memphis, so the fact that you stooped down and grabbed me that's that's <laughs> a big honor. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> we love talking uh, to you man you're you're big up there too, so oh yeah. <laughs> Don't say yourself. I don't short. know
0: about that. I don't know about that. You guys are flattering, man. I appreciate it. This was awesome. Thank Glad you did. so
2: much for coming on. I'm your host, Robert Owen And I'm Raimi Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the pride. With the boys, yeah, we swoops. Yeah, we swoops. And we got them high clocks And we'll
1: shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes Benz in the